There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week I chat to the man of the moment, Professor Luke O'Neill. I mean, the big message that I have to bang on the table and say to people who are worried, don't be worrying too much because science is, is, is behind you. You know, we're doing everything we can and I will win this battle. It's just a matter of time, you mm. see. So, so, and, and if you remember that, that might give you a bit of comfort in a way, you know. A renowned immunologist, educator and author, Luke lives in Sandy Cove in Dublin with his wife, Margaret, and their sons, Stevie and Sam. A superb communicator, he's simply one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. And in this conversation, we talk about COVID-19, the do's and don'ts, the vaccine, what the future looks like. But I also hope it gives you more of an insight into the man behind the science. As you can imagine, time was limited with him, but I was honoured that he managed to fit it into his hectic schedule. And I started by asking him about his other passion, which is music. Yeah, I play the guitar and the piano and that's my big hobby, you know. And I love the way you play it down because like I play, you know, a lot of us play instruments. You know, some of us play them well, some of us play them extremely badly. But you've played like the Electric Picnic and Body and Soul. Isn't that great? Can you believe it? A scientist on the stage. Um, when I well, read this, I was like, okay, he's, I mean, he's cool. Like we, I, I, every yeah. time he comes on TV or on the radio, I'm just glued. I want to hear everything Luke O'Neill has to say. And now he's played like some of the biggest yeah. music festivals yeah, in Ireland. Sheila, it is the Elfella's tent. It's, it's not the main, it's not the main stage, you know. But that was a thrill. Now I'll tell you that much. Tell us about that. Well, that happened because a guy called Nisha Nunn, who is an event organizer, probably know him. Yeah. Asked me to give a talk at EP. It's about four years ago, and I said I've got a band as well. <laughs> so I basically, you know, worked on him. I'll bring the band along. He said. So we did the band. We did two EPs. We did Body and Soul as well. You know. Now it's a band made up of medics. You see. <laughs> Brilliant. Isn't that great? We're called the Metabolics, by the way. That's our name. <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's three medics, an intensivist in James's, by the way, on the front line. He and O'Connor, you would have seen him on the RT documentary. He's our bass player, yeah, you see. Wow. Our guitarist is a neonatologist in Hollis Street. The drummer's a neurologist. Isn't that great? And there's three PhDs, me and two others. So we're very well qualified as a band as well. But we do it just for fun. And of course, for the medics, it's a great release. Because you can imagine their jobs. It's not easy. So, yeah. And they're great musicians. You know, It's funny that many scientists actually are musical. It, it goes with the territory. It's, Does it? Well, there's a kind of a creative part of science that people forget. To be a good scientist means you've got to be creative. You've got to get ideas yeah. and get inspired, just like an artist in a way. You and see. be a so, risk taker, I suppose. Absolutely, be a risk taker as well. Yeah. And get up there and do these. I mean, when I go up and play guitar, it's a bit like giving a lecture. It's, it, I don't see any difference in the two. It's, it's still communication. You know, you're communicating music, I suppose, on the one hand, information on the other. But I, I see it as a, a continuum. But let me give you one more story. When I was in Cambridge as a postdoc during my training, I had a band then. Right. This now is the uh, the late 80s and we were a Pogues tribute band. Isn't that right? Great? Okay, <laughs> class. Loads of gigs in pubs. And one night we're offered a tour of Europe supporting the Furies. Isn't that incredible? Oh. No. <laughs> yep, this is true now. You wouldn't believe it. And I went back to the band and some of the guys were on the dole, you know, oh, let's do this. I said no, because I just discovered something in my lab, you see, in Cambridge. It was, it was the road not taken, you know. And I thought, oh, maybe I should have gone off with the Furies for three months. And who would have known what happened? I might have given up on science then, you see. So, so I've always had music has been a big, big thing for me. Do you ever think what would have happened if you ignored what was happening in the lab and you decided to pursue music further? I might have died. <laughs> it's a hard life on the road. Yeah, very hard life. And I like to have the odd pint. So that could, that could have drawn me into bad ways. You never know. Although I do wonder. Yeah, you can't. I'm sure we're all the same, aren't we? You, you reach a, a decision point. Uh, I don't regret uh, sticking with the science, though, I must say. So we can't obviously attend gigs at the moment, unfortunately. So I'm, I would imagine you guys aren't meeting. You're not doing, you're not rehearsing, you're not playing. But do you still pick up a guitar? Is it a release for you in terms of a hard day in the lab? Do you know, it's funny. Not since the COVID thing really? because I'm so busy first of all and maybe yeah. I've got a creative outlet writing and stuff now you know and then the new book and I'm doing stuff for the independent that seems to occupy that part of maybe a bit I play I still play maybe once a week I'll pick up the guitar my son plays yeah so we jam together occasionally you know but strangely enough I've stopped playing lately you know and I will get back to it you know it's, it's more a case of time so, so you have two sons but one of them plays guitar is that it I do indeed yeah Sam he's the younger one uh, he plays guitar he's, he's been in bands as well you know it's fantastic so the ah, fact that he's class. prepared to jam with his dad is a bit unusual, you know, but he doesn't mind. So that's quite nice. Well, you're not your average dad. So, uh, <laughs> OK, can you talk us through like what a typical day might be like for you? I would imagine you don't really have a typical day at the moment. I can. Absolutely. Yes, it's, it's fun. when you're a scientist, you have a lab, obviously. And I've got 15 people in my lab at the moment in Trinity. Uh, seven of those are PhD students. So they're trying to get a PhD. Five are postdocs, which means they're very qualified. They've got... PSEs already and then I've got a couple of technicians so that's that's the core group every morning I'm going to meet them now at the moment I'm not travelling my previous life I'd be on the road a third of the time she amazed me going to conferences to meet other scientists I've got I'm involved in companies as well trying to discover new medicines you see and that Mm. would involve travel too so so now I'm here they're probably annoyed I'm here the whole time because I'm in the lab every day myself so so we'll sit down we'll go through their projects we'll discuss the science you know like today for instance at one we have a weekly lab meeting and one person presents their latest discoveries and I'll be commenting and trying to help them, you know. So a big part of my job is to help the people in the lab with their research. Now, remember, they're all doing different research projects. Uh, five of them are working on COVID-19 at the moment mm. and they're getting data. It's great. You know? I mean, every week they'll do experiments and I get some data, you know. So one example is we're working on coagulation. So, so one of the complications of COVID is your blood clots. 
Okay. And that was seen very early on, actually. It's a really vicious virus for the blood. Little clots form in the lungs, and that's what can damage the lungs then. And nobody knows the basis for that. So we'd love to unravel some of that complexity and see yeah. if we can... And then maybe develop a drug to stop clotting. There are drugs out there that stop clotting, but they're not that good, you know? So there's a need to understand more and more about this disease. And, and all the projects are a bit like that. Now, some days, nothing's working, and my job is to encourage them as I get back out in the lab again, you know, and try to chivy them along, I suppose, you know? Uh, we'd a big paper accepted two weeks ago that was a big celebration okay congrats now, now writing that takes time so a lot of my some of my spent writing stuff as well you see and then endless zoom calls you know, yeah with, with, with collaborators so we've got a massive collaboration with guys in Holland and Belgium who work on SARS-CoV-2 okay and that was a brilliant call last week with them now we had a two hour call with the Dutch guys showing us some great data we have a drug that might kill the virus you see which would be tremendous so and they're helping us because they've got ways to test this you see so and the data came back it seems to be working a bit so that was a great meeting that you sounds know. really positive. Oh, it's superb. Yeah. Now, there's many things like this, by the way. And, and I've been in this game for 35 years. Things usually fall over for all okay. kinds of reasons, you know. Right. But still, when you get a positive result, you go, yeah, that's good. You know? yeah. You'll go home that night thinking that was a good day's work. You know? Okay. And is, there is progression. There is progress. There has to be. Yeah. Now, luckily yeah. in my career, I've made maybe three big discoveries, shall we say, that, that made a big impact to the field of immunology. It's a, it's a huge thrill. If you're a scientist, your, your goal is to be curious. Mm. and then find something brand new that nobody's ever seen before. This is sometimes called the Christopher Columbus moment when the clouds part and there's the new world. You go, wow, there it is. So I've had, luckily enough in my life, I've had two or three big ones like that, you see. So, and that's what you're in it for. And I'm sure way. people are in, in your field are striving for to just achieve one of those and to have had a few of them. You, you need luck. You, you need a lot of luck as well. And then you need a good team of people. Now, remember, what I don't like about this business of science is one person up front being the winner because it's always a team effort. Mm. And strangely... Many scientists don't like prizes. Now, I've won a few myself, I have to say, but we don't see them as that good a thing because it's always a team. So sure. Everything I do is me and them together combined. It could be a great student in my lab. I've had fantastic students over the years, by the way, doing PhDs with me. Uh, my recent batch, one's gone to Harvard, one's in Cambridge. You know, it's great Irish students going off into the world, you know. So, so it's always a team effort. Now, I suppose you have to have a front person hmm. and, and probably the media like a name. Oh, that guy won that award or that woman won the award. And that's okay, I suppose. But, hmm. but you've always got to give credit to the team because it's a massive team effort. It always strikes me whenever I hear you speak that you you are a person that believes in in, in that in the the team effort and encouraging other people. That's key to it. It's, yeah. it, it, it and it's like a teacher again in a way. I mean, it's, yeah. it's um, your your job in some ways in academia is just to encourage the next generation. Mm. And you can do it by getting them to get a degree in a subject and you're the expert and you help them learn. I mean, it's up to them. I mean, I, I could never be a secondary school teacher, Sheila, because you have, you have to teach them, you know. <laughs> in a university, I can tell you can leave the lecture theatre. It's not compulsory, <laughs> you know, because they're grown-ups. And I much prefer that kind of thing. And, then, and what you're doing there is drawing them out, of course. The, the goal of education, remember, is to draw things out of people. And it's up to them, and your job is to help them. The two I worry about most ever since I became a, a, a professor is the, the, the brightest and the weakest, right? Now, what I mean is if you let down the brightest, and we got really bright kids, brighter than me, you know, you can't let them down. That's the first thing. You'll be very aware of that. The weakest, bring them up a bit, get them from a third to a two-two. That's as, much, as big a success as getting someone from a two-one to a first, you see. So, mm. so it's always in your mind just to encourage them and get them through it in a way. You know? Love that. So it's a really exciting time, but I would imagine it's it's stressful because you're in competition with so many other labs worldwide. Yeah. Well, it's always stress. Actually, it's always stressful in that Is regard. It? Well, it's always very competitive. So everything I've ever done, there's two or three other labs about to make the same discovery. And you meet them at conference. That's why, by the way, you go to conferences, you have to get the inside intel. <laughs> you see? And then you're, oh, that, that lab over there is nearly close to it. And if you come second, if you publish your paper, 
after someone else, it's not that big an impact, you know. Mm. So your mission is to get out there first. We use the word being scooped. So it's a bit like journalism. And, and so it's very competitive and you're trying to keep an eye on that. It's good to collaborate. Sometimes you collaborate and then you get the paper together. The discovery is then co-published. It's, but it's a political thing in a way, you know. And then you're rushing all the time to try to get there, you know, try to get, be first to get there. So it's always been that way. Mm. Uh, but now it's a different story because the spotlight's on COVID. And, and we want to make a difference as well, remember. So, so yeah. I'd love this to work now. I've always wanted stuff to work, by the way. But, but now you're going, God, if we can make an impact, mm. even a tiny one on this disease, what a thrill that would be. So that, that's adding to the, the intensity. I'd use the word intensity more than stress, I suppose. Yeah. I wanted to have this conversation with you for an insanely long time, but it felt like this week in particular, well, particularly after last week, between Golfgate, the protest at the weekend, the energy of, of the people at the moment, there's a there's a lot of frustration, yep. anger, fear, anxiety. Look, it's, it's a mixed bag of stuff that different people are going through for various different reasons. So can we talk a little bit about the now? where we're at and maybe what it looks like for the months, years ahead and not just for for us as adults, Mm. but the impact on the younger generation, the kids of the now. I think it's a bit like the Second World War. It's as serious as that in a century and we're probably in 1940 now, you know. It's a long haul ahead of us with this. That's the first thing. We Mm. keep winning little battles here. There's a lot of stuff ahead that we have to get to, you see. And of course, people don't know. The biggest thing of all is the unknowns. I mean, people hate. Lots of psychologists will tell you, uh, if you know the danger, you can kind of handle it, you know, and you can prepare yourself for it. There's many unknowns about this virus, and that really makes people uneasy. And everybody's anxious, even the ones who say they're not. In the back of their minds, they're going, what the hell is happening here? So, so it's a huge problem, in a sense. Now, I think the most important thing we need is a strong government, by the way, because they will get the messaging out to keep people informed, to tell people there's a plan, you know, and to try to make sure that everybody stays together. So it's like Churchill in a way, you know, he gets mm. the credit. He had many issues, of course, didn't he, as a politician? But, but his great strength was he united those people at the worst of times for Britain, you know, with the yeah. Brits and all that. Like, they, nobody's dropping bombs on us. <laughs> but it's almost as tense as that. So, so we need that kind of thing, you see. And that's sadly, that's gone off the rails, in my opinion, in the last few weeks. It was great for a while. Leo gave a great speech. Remember in, in, in America, that was fantastic, you know. Yeah. And now for some reason, they're losing the track of it. And politics, when Politics comes into science, it's a nightmare. This virus doesn't care about politics, you know. So if we have political infighting, yeah. the virus will laugh at us and go, I love that because I can spread now more effectively. In other words, if it was thinking that way, you know. So what we need now is very strong leadership mm. to say, look, here is the plan. Here are the unknowns. I mean, adults can handle it if you say, like, we don't know this stuff, but we're trying to answer it, you see. And the winter is coming. As we know, to quote Game of Thrones, this is very serious. And lots of people are predicting a lot of difficulties. So again, you've got to prepare the people for that. And that debacle at the golf thing, I mean, that was down to messaging a lot of it. Now, I know people had to take responsibility. They're politicians, for God's sake. Yeah. But some of them, like you and me, might have turned up and went, I'm not so sure, but I'll, have, I'll go in anyway, you know. If the messaging was clear, they wouldn't have gone in. Mm. Some of them wouldn't anyway. Others would have still gone in and we can kick those guys. But it really illustrated to me how they got the messaging really badly wrong there. So, And this isn't rocket science. You can get the messaging much, much stronger. And our focus, as you've asked, has to be on young people by far. Mm. And of course, because I'm in the education business, all these studies are showing massive stress in that age group, anxiety, you know, fear. Oh, they're really affected because their future's at stake, remember. If you're 18, 19, 20, right? Mm. 
you got to think, what's going to happen to my life? I want to have a life, you know, and all this uncertainty is for them, the economic uncertainty, all that sort of stuff. So again, they need our special attention. And again, it's up to us, the grown-ups, if you will, the teachers, the government, to really think about those people as well. So this has to be in their minds. So it's the late teens, early 20s that are particularly, I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, but we have to be mindful, as you said, of all the anxieties that are going on for them. And it's good to be reminded of that because sometimes, you know, we're only maybe focused in our own little, whether we're living on our own or whether we have our own little family, sometimes we're just in our own little bubble. Absolutely. You know, and and I suppose, you know, before we start recording, we were talking about I have a son, he's three, and and luckily he seems to be uh, flowing with the changes and uh, seeing his mom and dad wearing a mask as as grand. Exactly. But because he's young, because he's at that age. He's the right age age for it, really. He he won't be harmed, you would say, to that age group because they're they're well used to it in a sense that they know nothing else in a way, you know. But then will that become his normal, seeing people wearing masks, which for us when we were kids wasn't. Yeah, like Japan in a way. When when he when he's 10, 11, 12, we will beat the virus, by the way. Let's get the optimistic, no, we will kill this virus. That's going to happen. So if he gets to be 10, 11, 12, he might be anxious if people aren't wearing masks because he's in public, you know. Right. And Japanese people are like that, by the way. If they're on their own subway system and someone's not wearing a mask, they wonder why not. So it'll be a strange shift. I think the reason why the teens are especially worrisome is they they need to get out and socialise. It's in their DNA, if you like. I mean, we've evolved... 18, 19, 20, that's your peak socialising age. You're with your peers, you're learning about life, you're making friendships for the rest of your life. It's almost as if they're programmed like robots to do it. Mm. And we're taking the chip out of the robot now and stopping them, you know. And that's a very damaging prospect there. So we've got to keep an eye on that one, I think, in particular. Okay. Where are we at in terms of the vaccine? We keep hearing about different countries moving ahead. Looks like Russia has it or whatever you're hearing all the time. How accurate is the information that we're we're hearing? Are there just rumours? Well, again, Luckily enough, I'm on, I'm on, I've got the inside track on this. So, yeah. so I know Adrian Hill very well. He's the leader of the Oxford vaccine. I, I had a collaboration with him on malaria about 12 years ago, for instance. Okay. I know guys at the NIH in America, which is the big institute. So they, they leak me little bits of information. I chat to them on the phone sometimes. So it's looking good. I mean, there's no question. You've never seen the like of it. You've, you've said this a few times because you've heard it from other people. There's 170 odd vaccines in development. Yeah. Now, you know, it's a bit the best analogy I can give is football players on a field trying to score a goal. The more players you have, the more likely it is you're going to score the goal. It's as simple as that. So the chances are high that one of those is going to work. Eight are out front. Eight have made it through the first two stages. It's all very sort of measured, you know. There's been two phases of testing past both of those. And now they're in the phase three, the last step in the process. Now, things can fall at that step. And just because you pass the first two doesn't necessarily mean you're going to... It's like a horse at a race is the usual analogy again. You know, it can always fall the last fence. But phase three is running for eight vaccines. Now, you have to be optimistic. Now, the next question becomes how long is it going to take? You're going to get data January, February, March next year. It will be the first clear readout of one of them. Maybe more. You never know. And then it'll be launched, right? Now, what does launch mean? It mm. means into vulnerable groups and healthcare workers first. Sure. That'll run for three, four months probably. And then you begin to roll it out for the general population. But I think the reason why it's so important is once there's a vaccine of any kind, the fear begins to go away. Yeah. You can imagine the headline of every paper, will, you know, vaccine shows hope. Let's say that headline comes out in January. Yeah. Two things happen. One is we all feel a bit better. That's the first thing. Oh, there's mm. a vaccine now. Governments feel better and they begin to take more risks with their people in a way. You can open things up more and begin to think about going back to normal. So I think the psychological impact, even if it's a semi-effective, the prediction is it won't be a great vaccine, by the way. It'll be partially effective, just the way vaccines are. If we're lucky, we could get a gangbusters one, but it's more likely to be, it won't stop you getting infected. It'll just stop severe disease. 
Okay, and is it because? Okay. Yeah, and please excuse my ignorance, but is it because it's in the fa- because it's in the same family as the common cold, and we don't have yeah. a, a cure for the common cold? That it's it's a tricky one. Exactly, that's the whole thing. The, the, the worst case, we never got a vaccine for the common cold. They tried for a long time. Mm. Now they were trying 25, 30 years ago, and our knowledge of immunology then was a tenth what it is now. You see, but they didn't get one. You know, and the worry is it could be like that. You see, but having said that, the evidence would suggest not because it works okay. in monkeys, which is great. There's evidence when they. Get gave it to humans they've given it to some of these vaccines have been in humans they measure their immune response and it was strong that's okay, great fantastic. so you've ticked those boxes immediately the next big issue is safety and that's as important if not more important than efficacy because mm. any kind of side effect is disastrous not only because you're going to harm someone who's on the trial they, nobody will die on the trial you might see bad fevers or muscle aches or something like that. You know, any kind of hint of a safety signal, they'll stop developing it. So that, that's a disaster. Even worse, other vaccines won't be used because there is vaccine hesitancy in the world. People don't want to give their kids vaccines, all kinds of vaccines. You know, they say, I'm not going to vaccinate my child. So again, that would sort of fuel that paranoia. And that's a big disaster. Mm. Suddenly, the vista of other infectious diseases coming back with a vengeance are then in front of us. So this is why they're being very, very careful. I mean, people say to me, oh, they're rushing. They are rushing, but they're making sure every check thing is checked, every they're dotting every I, crossing every because of those fears you see. So I've no I've no worries about safety, but at least the safety testing is rigorous. Yeah. I want to ask you about the alternative viewpoint. Um, there was a protest in Dublin uh, at the weekend, and there were hundreds present. But I know some people attending said it wasn't hundreds; it was thousands, and it's just propaganda by the mainstream media again. What do you make of all that? Well, it's a free world. People can object to anything. You know, I don't mind if people want to object and say, I'm not going to do this, that and the other. Uh, That's fine, you know. Uh, I'm a scientist, so I use science my whole life to inform my decisions on things. And I say the science behind masks is compelling. It's not perfect, by the way, but it's very compelling. You know, the science behind vaccines is 99.9% compelling. You know, not not a single health agency in in the world says don't vaccinate, you know. So vaccines are the best. In fact, if you look at it this way, vaccines are the best contribution medicines made to humanity. If you don't vaccinate your child, you're putting that, that child's risk of getting diseases like polio, measles, diphtheria, vicious diseases. It, vaccines are an example of how science beat disease, you see. So now, on the other hand, people are hesitant, and I understand that as well. And a parent bringing a baby into a GP, the baby's not sick, and the GP's going to stick a needle in that baby. Of course, they're going, what the hell is this about? And they're going to be anxious, and that's understandable, you see. So all you can do is lay out the science and say, look, this is the scientific view, and you can decide yourself, you know? Now, um, if, if they harm others, though, that's a different thing, Sheila. If, if yeah. you're like, not wearing a seatbelt, a drink driving, let's use that as... The reason why there's a law against that is people still did it and harmed others you know you can harm yourself it's a free world you can take care of one well not legally obviously but you can decide to do certain things can't yeah, you yeah, you know yeah. um, but if you harm someone else that's a different matter so you you would look at mandating vaccines the French do this the French don't mess around they make sure you can, your kid can't go to school unless they've had the vaccines you see uh, because that kid might spread the infection and whatever it might be you know it might yeah. spread again in the school so so it's a tricky one I think you've hit the nail and, on the head though I think that for me because I'm all about like look we're not all going to agree we're all going to have what feels right for us and I'm, I'm a bit of a live and let live but you spoke about it there we need unity we don't need this division right, right now yeah, well you'll always get it I mean every issue there are people against 
that remember that's the hum- yeah. human beings are like this there's gonna and maybe that's a good thing by the way you need a bit of dialogue and dissent so but there'll always be a percent of people which i don't agree with that and that's fair it's a it's a democracy laws are introduced to get people to behave you see because they might harm others so that that's what it comes down to for me i'd also say this that in my mind the whole time is the way out of this is a vaccine or a treatment and then there's no need to protest anymore because the virus has gone away you know yeah. so so the best way to counter that sort of thing is science again to, to come up with the treatments and the vaccines and even if there is a vaccine if people decide not to take it that could be okay unless they're harming others and then you have to think about something else there but yeah. there's many examples of people not going to have medical treatments and that's their choice you see and that's mm. fine but but again this is where the power of science comes in you see science was invented actually in the 1600s as a way to convince people of things did you know that didn't well the royal society in london is the oldest scientific society. It, it's, its motto is take nobody's word. Okay. Okay. And what that means is show me the data, show me yeah, the evidence, yeah. you know. And you might say the earth is round and someone says it's flat. I'll show you the evidence. Now you can decide not to believe the evidence and you might say that's fake or whatever. But if you look at all the evidence and you're a reasonable person, say the earth is round, you know. Mm. And in other words, it's, it's beyond argument then that the data makes the sort of bottom line right and correct. You know? But even then you have people saying, oh, those images from space of the earth were fake. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, you can't win with some people anyway. That's fine as well. If they want to say that, that's their business. Um, but for me, if you're if you're anyway, what's the way to put this, I suppose, scientifically literate first. That's why education is so important. Our kids, Ireland's very literate scientifically. One thing I've noticed is... Mm. The general public know a lot of science and I can understand it because we do science at the age of 15. Other countries, they stop teaching science at 12. So, so it's very important to have science as part of it because then people can make informed choices, you see. So, so if you lay out the evidence, it's up to you to decide is that correct or not. And science will give you the comfort in a way. And for me, uh, another, getting back to your earlier question, science was a comfort to me as well. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, it brings a bit of certainty to a very uncertain world. And I found that comforting myself psychologically, you see, because there's the evidence and, and I can't really argue with that now, you know? 
And, and that's the realm we're in here, I suppose, mm. with this one. The, the worry would be that vaccination rates will go down for many diseases because it's in the, in the media. So th- there's a media question now. How much coverage should, should those things get? It's like climate change. The, the climate change deniers weren't given any airtime in America because it was felt to be the evidence was so strong in favour of humans causing climate change, you see. So it's always an issue in, 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 with freedom of speech. It goes into that realm. That's beyond my pay grade, by the way. But you would worry about that a bit as well, about how much airtime you give to these things. But it is a free country, so you've got you to have some coverage of these things. Yeah, and it's healthy to have open conversation yep. about things. Um just on that, you are a scientist. It is a beautiful thing and, and you know, thank God for it. But on God, on the concept of God or gods, um, as a scientist, where do you stand on that? What is your own belief? Do you have any belief in something um, other than what is proven as fact? What is Luke yeah. O'Neill's take on this? If you're a scientist, you probably say no, because your, 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 your mantra, if that's the right word, is show me the evidence. Okay, so, And there is no scientific evidence for God, really. You can claim there might be evidence of certain things, I suppose, but it never really meets the scientific standard, you see. I'm open-minded, Sheila. If someone says to me they believe in God, I say, whatever gets you through the night, it's fine by me. You know, I, I never, some scientists are disrespectful towards people of faith. I'm never like that because we're all human beings on this planet together. And if someone says, I believe in this, that's your business and that's fine by me. I'm not going to criticise you. Now, from my own point of view, it's very hard to believe in all that stuff because... We have to say uh, religious belief is an evolved trait. There's a good phrase for you. So we humans, we, we invented God as opposed to God inventing us. And the reason for that is it gives us a community. It makes people behave themselves. If there's a God looking down on you, you know, the goddamn patriarchy was invented to suppress women as well. So all those negative parts mm. of religion. So I hate all that stuff. And I wouldn't go there. Spirituality is a different thing. I do think there's something going on with us. We're a very interesting species. And a bit of me wonders, is there something else that we can't explain? And maybe science can be too arrogant as well sometimes because there could be unknowns there that are beyond us. And I've got some friends who are quantum physicists, right? (laughs) Some of them think there's something going on here. I don't know what it is, you know. So so I would would sort of sit on that side of the fence on this one. If you you were to classify me as agnostic, I suppose, Mm. because now if you give me the evidence today, if you manage to turn that mug of coffee into wine, and then I'm going to start believing. <laughs> but it doesn't work, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's, it's strange. You know? So I'm, I'm a bit uh, open-minded, I suppose. Another good example is a very, this is a sad story, a very good friend of mine lost his daughter. And he was, a, mm. he was an avid atheist. He became a believer after that, I'll tell you that much, because he had okay. to get some sucker and some, and that tells me something. He was a dyed-in-the-wall scientist, you know, and the pain he went through, and, and, and maybe something happened, I don't know, but he certainly got huge comfort. So, so I never knock it. You know, I think, I think it's, a, it's a very important part of being human, by the way. I think half the population of the earth has a sense of spirituality, you know? So yeah. that tells us it's innate to us. It's part of our nature, you know? So I think it's another, another aspect to it. Can we just go through the main, what we know about COVID-19 right now, in the sense that, is it, am I right in thinking that the evidence shows now that if you get it once, you're highly unlikely to get it again. Well, that's always a moving target as a question. Now, that if you, and immunologists will tell you that's the way the immune system is supposed to work, remember. The word immunology, did you know where it comes from? I'll give you a lecture now, are you ready? It's from immunitas, which is a Latin term meaning exemption, right? Okay, yeah. And it was coined because if you had a disease, you're exempt from getting it again. All right. That, that's where the word All came right, from. Okay, right? Right. And that's the way the immune system is supposed to work. If you have chicken pox, you won't get it again, at least you're unlikely to, you know. Mm. So again, the hope always was this virus would mean you wouldn't get it again. Now, the fear, this particular family of viruses, as we discussed, the common cold, you do get it again, yeah. you see. And then we wondered, will this be like that or not, right? Mm. And so what's been happening is scientists are very carefully measuring this. And a, a glimmer of hope last week, there was a study on a fishing boat, actually. 
Okay. Where loads of people got infected, right? The ones who didn't had had the infection before. Okay, so there was oh, evidence right. now. Okay. That's the first glimmer of hope, right? A study yesterday, which was all over the media, evidence of reinfection of a person in Hong Kong. But it turns out they didn't get any symptoms. You know, so in other words, they did get reinfected, but their immune system beat up the virus. So oh, therefore, right. those two studies give us hope that if you get it once, you may not get it again. And if you do get it, they're going to be milder. Yeah. And colds are a bit like that. Like they've studied colds in the 70s and 80s were infecting students with the cold, actually, and then reinfecting them. You know, they knew if they did get it again, it was milder. And again, that's great because that's what you're really... What we're looking for here really is this to become like the common cold, you know. Yeah. And it, be, it could become like a cold through immunity in the population or through vaccination. Now, by the way, you need a vaccine because then you're really doing a great job at protecting everybody, you see. Mm. And then more importantly, people aren't dying, you know, because obviously the vaccine will stop people dying. So Yeah. So if, if I suppose, best case scenario, spring next year, rolling it out to the vulnerable groups, um, the elderly, immunocompromised, and then maybe the rest of it by the summertime, would that be realistic? They're talking about late 2021. Is it late 2021? it begins to seem like normal again. Now, but then again, it's it's like the war again. There'll be a turning point, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know whether you're a history, but like the Battle of Stalingrad, they reckon, was the turning point in World War II. So we're longing for the Stalingrad. That might be January, February time. And now, oh, there's hope. And there's always a risk, remember, of them, the, the army remobilizing against you. But that kind of time frame, late 2021, it, that's probably the best case scenario now. But then again, one, once we're over the, whole, the hump, winter's a big fear, by the way, because for all kinds of reasons, it mm. starts spreading again. Spring, you'll see restrictions being lifted. We'll go back to phase four, whatever we were supposed to be in before, you know, and then you can have more outdoor gatherings and then people begin to feel alive again, I suppose. So that's that's the kind of time frame we're looking at. We're still, thankfully, not that every day is, but we're still meant to be sort of in the summertime where, uh, you know, we're outside as much as we can be. Uh, but obviously that gets trickier in the winter months, uh, as you just said. Um, what are the, the do's and don'ts right now for us in our, in our day-to-day lives? Um, even to get to the studio today, we couldn't take the lift because it's been broken in this building for quite yeah. some time. But I have read that maybe lifts are not recommended during this time. That's Am right. I right in thinking that? Yeah, that's that? right. Yeah, you got to remember the dreaded three C's. And they said the Japanese government you know, did a great job back in February with messaging, right? They said avoid the three C's. Closed spaces, that would be a lift. You know, anywhere enclosed. Try to not so much avoid it, but just don't spend much time there. Yeah. Crowds. So if there's big gatherings, avoid that as well. And then close contact. So a lift would be, if you and me get in that lift, it's a closed space. We're in close contact. There's a risk, you know. So avoid lifts is a good example. So, And we've got to keep following the three C's all the time. Now, when all three are combined, that's high risk. Okay. Mm. One is probably okay. You know, like if I spend half an hour talking to you with a metre between us that's pretty low risk you know okay. but, but it's a gang of us in the room and there's no ventilation then that's a high risk that kind of thing so, so it's yeah. pretty straightforward right? so we keep our eye on the three C's all the time and then the add-on then is to wear masks because that stops it masks alone of course are no good it's only one thing to use with all the other things combined and then the hand washing is key because you're always touching your face and putting your hand on surfaces and there's good science behind all of this by the way you see so, so we keep following those now it's, when you go outdoors, you reduce the risk 19-fold. That's a huge reduction of it, just by being outdoors, because the wind and the air dilutes it, blows it away. Winter, we're all back indoors again, and there will be outbreaks because we're all indoors again, because it's very hard to mm. be fully you know, compliant with these things. So, so the next challenge for the government is to get the messaging out again. The winter is coming. These are the things we need to do. Keep an eye on all the 
usual restrictions, you know, and just be very careful in the winter is the idea. It's, it's, it's the same message again. The second thing is the testing has to get better because test the damn people and isolate. That's the key weapon we have, actually. So they have to ramp up testing as the winter comes because it, there's going to be more, more cases. And I know some people who've had the testing done, thankfully, they, they were negative, but they didn't say it was the most pleasant of experiences. But look, it is what it is right now. What are the developments in terms of testing? Well, the, the joy would be a much quicker test uh, and that's easier to do. Saliva is where it's going. The current test is swabs. Up the nose. Up the nose and the, or down the back of the throat. That can be a bit uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and that's not, it doesn't kill you, but it's uncomfortable. And it takes a bit of time and it has to be a professional person that has to know how to do the swabbing. They're going to have a spit test into a little tube, send the saliva off and test it in the saliva. That's the future of testing. And there's already tests in America approved that can do that. Okay, great. They should come here quickly, right? Because really? that's a rapid test. And you can do it yourself. You can spit into a tube and then give your sample to the lab or send it off by post even, you know. So there's ways to do spit testing. Great. Now, we have to get mass testing. That, that's got to be the ambition. And the biggest mystery, we've been saying this since March, by the way, uh, and if the Irish government don't ramp up massive, efficient testing in the wintertime, they're going to be lambasted because other countries are doing that. And again, it's the way to isolate the virus. You can, you can beat the virus with these measures, by the way, Shady. You don't need a vaccine. You know, if, yeah. if you test everybody and isolate the cases, it'll go away. You know, because you're locking. Now, it'll be bumping around a bit. They won't completely be gone. This notion of zero COVID is the word that's used. I I, I was part of the lobby for that. That's a bit of an overreach. It'll still be one or two little outbreaks here and there, but you can control them. You can contain them. And Mm. that's the way it has to be. In other words, we know what to do. This is a staggering thing. We know what to do. and, And we have to hope the government does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you see us as a people, the world, say 10 years time? Oh, that's a good good question. Yes. Let's hope we've learned from this for a start. You know, there'll be a different place. Well, let's hope it is. I mean, what the the thing that struck me most of all is the the future has arrived now. Okay. Mm. Now, what I mean by that is we were doing remote working. That was happening anyway. Many companies had that in place. And even one of my companies, uh, two thirds of the staff worked from home and zoomed in and met met maybe one day a week. So lots of people are doing that now, for instance. Contactless cash. Everybody's doing that now, you know, maybe universal basic income. That's really what the payment is, in a sense. That was proposed and that was happening in certain countries as well. So Mm. all these examples of these things were in place in a way. The world economy having to change. I'm not an economist, so I don't want to tread on economists' toes here. But but certainly the macroeconomic model seems to not work. And can we replace that with a better model? extra teachers in our schools for crying out loud that's part of the future plans as well you see so so i think what might be the case if we fast forward is we'll keep these things going into the future Mm. and we'll make a more equitable fair society for people where people are you know rewarded for what they do properly and all these kinds of things so so i think the hope would be we learn from this and the world will you know improve from this 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 disaster you see in your expert opinion will there be more you know viruses mutations the likes of a COVID-19 are they on the horizon? Well now what's happened there is this was kind of predicted remember I mean there were some corona virus specialists going there will be a pandemic for the coronavirus and nobody listened to them strange Mm. now the reason for this was SARS had come along and MERS their two coronaviruses and they had uh, you know I mean they didn't infect that many people I think SARS was 10,000 people in the end they could be locked down quickly because there was people with symptoms were spreading it and therefore you were coughing and spluttering, I'd isolate you immediately. Yeah. And then they could, they, they could stop it in its tracks. 
COVID-19 is different. It's asymptomatic. It's the worst virus ever because you, you could be sitting opposite me and you're really infectious and you don't even know it. And I'm yeah, picking yeah. up off you. You know, yeah. That's the single key most dangerous feature of this virus. Now, the next question is how many coronaviruses are there? There's hundreds and hundreds of them in animals. Remember, it came from bats. So what's happening now is scientists are out there in the wild sampling all the coronaviruses and they're comparing them to the ones we know about and trying to predict where the next one's going to come from. So the hope is we learn again using our scientific knowledge to prevent this happening in, you know, in another time, certainly from coronaviruses is the hope. And a big shout out to a woman called Emma Teeling in UCD. She's one of the world's bat experts. She had a fantastic paper in Nature a couple of weeks ago on bats. Okay. She's very much involved in this. You know, she's in the middle of it because she's been a bat specialist for years. And she, I met her the other day actually because we were collaborating. Can you believe we're having a collaboration? Bat, bats don't get sick especially with this virus, right. interestingly, because mm. they're missing a key part of their immune system, which we have. Okay. That's a drug target. You know, in other words, if we could become like a bat, <laughs> and block that pathway, we wouldn't get sick. And Emma, Emma works on this, you see. Right, okay. so, so she was telling me, massive effort now to stop this happening again. Can we track all the coronaviruses down now, you know, and stop them jumping? It is animals into humans, remember. That's what's happened here. Mm. And in the past, this has happened before. HIV came from monkeys as well, you know. So we know a jump from one species to another can be lethal, and look what's happened with this. So, so again, the science behind this then is going to tell us how to avoid the next, the next pandemic is the hope. Mm. And when you mention HIV, I suppose, would I be right in thinking that was the last time that there was a huge fear amongst people of, you know, we need to we need to control this. We need to find some sort of treatment way yep. of dealing with this. That, that's a great example of another previous pandemic that, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Terrified everybody, yeah. killed people in there. They're still killing people, by the way, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. spread through blood, through all the various blood exchange things that happen. We learned a huge amount about the immune. When I began as an immunologist, actually, back in the 80s, it was just taking off HIV. Okay. We learned a huge amount about the immune system from studying HIV. HIV. And the, the same will be with this virus. In other words, it gives you an opportunity to understand more as well. And HIV is a great example. And then what, what happened? We couldn't get a vaccine to HIV. Uh, the reason for that is it's a chronic disease and it's very hard to vaccinate against diseases that are in your body for years because it's very clever, you see, because it's got ways of stopping your immune system. Um, instead, we antivirals. And now HIV is no longer yeah. a life-threatening disease. And there's a great Which is wonderful. example of science because it was the drug company stepped up and made those drugs and now nobody, will, yeah, the, the death rate's almost same as normal people in a way. You know, it's yeah. a great triumph. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for us as, uh, you know, as, as whoever's listening to this, for any of us, you know, minding ourselves, eating well, getting enough sleep, all that kind of stuff, it's important, isn't it? Because Critical. looking after, yeah. trying to support the immune system right now has probably never been more yeah. obvious. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because your own immune system is your best friend, remember, in this case. So if you have a healthy lifestyle, that would mean a healthy immune system. The virus goes in and your immune system does its job. And in fact, remember, Sheila, 80% of people are like that. It's, it, this is a pretty benign disease for 80% of people. And of those 80%, half have hardly any symptoms. It's incredible, you know? Yeah. The reason is their immune systems can work and young people, you see, very active immune system. It's great. It's the 20% you worry about and, and, and the 80% makes you stay. If you want to be in that 80%, let's put it that way, and you're not older and not a vulnerable group, keep your immune system healthy because mm. it will beat the virus. It's hard not to feel fear, I suppose, when we're having these sort of conversations and, you, you know, you're delving into it'll be such such time before there's a vaccine and all that kind of stuff. But it's really important, isn't it, right now as well, that people just pair it back, keep it simple, do what's responsible, but live your life as well because, you know, we keep hearing about it and it's so true. I mean, fear itself 
is a virus and it does spread and it and it grows. So, you know, we, we got to get control of that. Fear yeah. is there to protect us. It's not all bad. Um, but, you know, having a conversation with your own fear, if, if at times it's it's taking over, because I certainly know and I'm sure anyone listening knows people who are who are suffering mentally yeah. right now during this time. Like I know somebody who's who's really not not interacting with anyone and uh, and, and I'm not going to lie I'm concerned mm, yeah, yeah you know so it is affecting people so we, we have to be mindful of that don't we we do indeed it's essential actually in many ways it's, it is about the vulnerable as well so there's people who are psychologically vulnerable yeah and physically vulnerable and we've got to think of both really important isn't it to remember both types and then if you're psychologically vulnerable there's various things you can do I suppose you do your best I suppose to get through the day in various ways whatever you can do to you know have a bit of pleasure now and again and, and not to worry too much I mean the big message that I have to bang on the table and say to people who are worried don't be worrying too much because science is is, is behind you you know we're doing everything we can and I will win this battle it's just a matter of time you mm. see so, so and, and if you remember that that might give you a bit of comfort in a way you know and then the vulnerable people are the ones you were the older people and they're, they're the next group to worry about of course because they're getting locked up in their houses they're missing social context they can't meet their grandchildren that puts a psychological toll on them as well and remember it's okay to hug your grandchild briefly outside if possible that's perfectly fine you know so again, people should remember they can take certain little risks mm-hmm. you don't need to be locking yourself up really you know take the odd little risk here and there it's worth it for your mental health because remember stress will stop your immune system working as well we know this stress is a big negative for the immune response so so again if you can de-stress and that might mean hugging your grandson or going to the cinema I believe they're reopening that's okay go to the cinema whatever it takes you know have a glass of wine if that's your particular preference that's all fine you know Oh, I, I'm actually so glad you said that. And I think people listening, because you are so well respected and well regarded. And I think sometimes we need a voice of authority and knowledge and wisdom like yours to sometimes give ourselves permission to do certain things as well. And it's about finding the balance for us as individuals. Because yep. as you said, we're not just our physical form. We're also what's going on in our head as well. And if your mental health is suffering. Yep. As you said, the link between that and the stress response in the body and your immune system, my goodness, that's such an important message. Huge, hugely important. A lot of people are learning a lot of lessons through this time. I mean, I know for me, like I'm learning to, you know, it's simple stuff. It's it's being well, it's being healthy. It's, it's, It's relishing those simple moments and being bloody thankful for it, being thankful for your body, thankful for your health. What have you learned? I mean, I know you're learning every day in the lab, but you as a person, you as a man, Luke, what do you what have you learned through this time? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, try, I, I, I can't have to stop and think about that because I'm on this merry-go-round in a way, you know. I think I've really learned, the, uh, no more than yourself, the importance of the simple things, isn't it, in a way? You know, so I've got a yeah. few friends. We used to go for a, this is classic Irish mail thing, pint every Friday night. We cut the pubs closed. Yeah. So in the end, we worked it out. One of my mates in his garden, two or three of us meet for a drink. And it's just Brilliant. a simple thing, a couple of pints, and we have a bit of it, just like a men's shed equivalent. You know? Now, again, you took it off for granted. You know? I mean, that's an example of, in the past, I didn't think twice about going for a drink, did I? And sometimes I didn't really want to go, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you're lazy. Now, oh I need to do this in a way so so I think you begin to value that and and the other thing I would say is um I am amazed at people's general kindness actually as well so pe- people are rowing in behind this remember and they're all worried but they're all we're all doing our best in a way aren't we in a sense I, I don't know whether you get a sense of that off people yeah, but I get that yeah, feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and it's a yeah. great comfort to us all isn't it in a way you see right and I got a fair bit of uh 
emails than I've been sent about 100 masks which is great you know so <laughs> I want anybody to thank people for sending me masks which I gave out to my lab I get here I have a bag of masks in the lab anybody can take a mask that's great you know so, so that was quite nice yeah. you know, I've had three miraculous medals Go away. to wish me well on my races I've got them Aww. up in the lab there on the wall honest to, God, honest to God I have that was very kind of someone to send me like, that's the, they believe that that's fine yeah. you know? that was great so so again the, the isn't it great you, the, see these things can bring out the best and the worst in people can't they mm. and you do see lots of evidence of the best in people and we're, we're, we're a community and let's just work together on all these things I suppose yes gorgeous message Luke thank you um, before I let you go I know that you will have a book coming out is it October or a little bit later yeah October 2nd I think is the official publication date okay and I have to say the title because I love it it is Never Mind the Bollocks Here's the Science well and I'm said I'm so delighted you. we well can said. say it <laughs> I can't wait to hear you on Pat Kenny <laughs> So, uh, Luke, tell us about the, <laughs> the new book. Will, um, will, has he got the guts to say it to you? You never know. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that's Sex Pistols album? Well, never mind spotted. the bollocks. Oh, shit, you're, you're, you're not Is as that? old as me. I mean, I remember vividly when that album came out. The reason why the title of the book, it was over Christmas, I was thinking of a title. The title was going to be something like Science Is Great or something boring, right? <laughs> um, and we couldn't think of a title. And then over Christmas, I suddenly had a inspiration that was 1977 and I was yeah. uh, 13 at the time and that album came out and we loved it and it was in I come from Bray it was in the shop window of a Bray record shop yeah. and can you believe the priest on the altar said take that down there's a rude word <laughs> we like oh, yeah it's great you know. it's and sold out then of it's course it's sold out it's sold out like amazing <laughs> so, so that, that the title captures the book it's the topic of our chat this morning yeah it? it is using science to help you that could have been another title that would have been boring but, but nothing like this title it's but, the but I thought the, the, the publisher uh, they did wonder should we use the word bollocks and then we said let's go for it because this captures the essence of the book and it's also a bit of humour I suppose you know? I'm delighted and, and you know what it, it, it wraps you up brilliantly as well and it shows that you are you have a great sense of humour you are highly knowledgeable but it is the bullshit free guide to, to you know yeah. to the world we're in and I think that's what people are are hungry for right now that's right they yeah. want the real information nobody wants Nonsense talk. Yeah, I mean, who yeah. has time for that anymore? That's so, right. yeah. so it's great. Well, look, I know it's going to be a sellout and uh, I can't wait to buy it. Um, thank you. I know your time is tight because you have a meeting to, 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 to go back to in the lab. So yeah, COVID never sleeps. We can go back yeah. into our COVID. <laughs> well, look, I won't keep you any longer. Thanks so much for this. It's been brilliant. It's been great. Thanks very much, Sheila. It's great. Well, I hope you found this conversation as interesting as I did. And as always, I love to hear your feedback. So please feel free to get in touch and let me know what you think. You'll find me on Instagram or Twitter at Sheila Shoiga. And if you can take a minute to rate this podcast, leave a review and hit subscribe, I'd be so grateful. Thank you so much for listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 